everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast on Cop Left. So, tonight I'm joined by three of our regulars on the panel. First up in Berlin, we have Neil Patterson. How are you, Chief? All well with you? Yeah, doing great. Uh, glad to be back on, as ever. And glad that we've won another game. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, I'm doing okay. Again, another win. My doom and gloom is lifting by the day, Neil. I know you're <laughs> going to get at me. <laughs> and second up, we have in Belfast, Dave Dunning. Back again, I think third or fourth time now, Dave. You're becoming a bit of a regular. Good, thanks. Yes, thanks for having me on again. How are you, sir? Not too bad. And don't thank me for coming on. Thank you for coming on. You're you're, you're part of the crew here now, so don't be thanking me. And last but not least, we have the, the, the more preferable of the Murrays. We have Glenn. How are you, Glenn? Very well. First time I'm on a pod with you. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's nice that you jumped in and took a place of your sister. So don't need to argue. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, we're 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 gonna we're gonna take a bit of a walk through what happened at the weekend, and uh, I'll start up with Neil. We we talked last week about, uh, or I certainly was bitching and griping about. I wanted to see us grinding a win out, and I think I got to see what I was what I was looking for. It's the type of game to me it was very sort of it was very Ferguson, and you know we we didn't play at all well, and we came away from three points, and that's what. Teams who challenge, that's what teams who are good do. What were your thoughts on it, Neil? We had sort of the, the, the nightmare start, didn't we? The start none of us really wanted and a few of the more uh, well, less sunny side up of us maybe envisaged in that, uh, you know, we could see the goal inside the first 10 minutes. I think we're eight minutes in and, and we're 1-0 down. And uh, we started quite slowly in general. And it's been a bit of a theme through the season so far and it was different here. Swansea actually could have been could have been further up, further ahead, to be fair. I mean they had a couple of good chances. The header from Borgia, which he, he just gets gets all wrong. And uh, they had another chance with um, Jack Cork, I think. So I mean they played very well as well. You've you've got to sort of say that. I mean the start was e- even enough that they, they were no great shakes in the first sort of five, six minutes, but after they scored, you know, they pressed us really hard. And, and you know, showed a lot of energy, and they harried us in the mistakes. Having said that, I think we sort of, well, we we definitely grew into the match within that first half. And I think I think really from about twenty five minutes on, shortly after Lalana goes off and Sturridge comes on, I think we we begin to to get a grip on the game. And certainly the last ten minutes of the first half, I think we're we're in the driving seat, and we're we're certainly in the ascendancy. Second half, we just picked up and. Moved on to another level, went up a couple of gears. We scored a very good goal. And after that, for the next 10, 15 minutes, there, you can only really see one team in it. We don't get that second goal in, and then there's a bit of a lull. But uh, what was great to see was, yeah, the patience. You know, we just kept going and kept playing the football. And, we, you know, we got a reward in the penalty, and, and Milner stuck it away. And after that, we really could have gone 3-1 or even 4-1. Uh, we missed a, a good few opportunities on the break, uh, and then Swansea have have a chance right at the end. But fortunately enough, they put it wide. So, you know, you wanted a grindy win. You wanted to to see us come back from from adversity and, and whatever, and uh, and put in the, you know, get the points without playing well. And you know, we did that. I mean, we certainly play well in patches now, but um, we did show that that resolve, and it, it was a really big three points going into the international break, and now that's what four in a row in the Premier League, so. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a very different place from where we were going into the last international break. And, you know, if you if you cast your mind back, even in recent times, our form going into international breaks, we always seem to go in the low. 
Glenn, for you, you know, as Neil said there, the first half was was far from anything good. You know, I said it in the group uh, afterwards. I consider these three points maybe to be the most impressive that we've we've gleaned this season. You know, we have been blowing certain teams away, but we had to really dig deep and fight hard for these points, and that's something that really has impressed me. What, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, I think the reason why is because over the past few years, these are the teams that we've struggled against. So we'll see the last two games. In previous years, they're the games that we've struggled against. So obviously, to pick up maximum points from them two games, obviously it's a step in the right direction. So that that's great for us. I thought the the first half was was a bit reminiscent of the the Burnley display. You know, Henderson and Wayne Wayne Aldama. I sort of thought they they fell into bad habits. There were a lot of passes were going sideways, and there wasn't a lot of penetration through the middle of the park. So our play was quite laboured and quite slow and quite easy for for Swansea to defend. You know, to be fair, you've got to give them credit. The you know they they pressed us and they harried us, you know, when we were trying to play out from the back. And there was a couple of times where I think there was one time I know Matt TV got caught on the ball, but say Swansea, they, they pressed us really well in the first half and, you know, fair play to them. They, they probably deserved to go in one nil up. And like Neil says, it could have been two because, you know, Borgia, he missed a, he missed a sitter. Um, I think after about four or five minutes, he put the header over the bar, but I think uh, Kloppy obviously had uh, a few things to say at half time, and you know the boys really came out in the second half and really upped their game. The, the, the tempo was back in the play, and uh, the movement from the, the front three was was causing Swansea a lot of problems, and and ultimately, you know, that's what led the you know the the goals. Um, you know, the, I mean, the first one was like I thought it was a great finish from Firmino because when I watched it back on the replay, it was uh, it looked a lot easier at first glance, but he took it really well, and then the second one, um, obviously with the the, the penalty. You he know, played him well, didn't he? He really did play them well. He, yeah, he did. You know, that was that's a smart play that for me, you know, just getting his body between the man and the ball and you know, he won the penalty. You know, there's no doubt about that. And uh you need you need players who have that guile, you know, to to do that, you know, to almost sort of trick the referee as such. But it was a game of two halves, you know, that old cliche. I thought first half it was a bit pedestrian, but in the second half they came up and they came out and they, they stepped up the tempo of the game, like I say, and um, I think towards the end, Swansea just kind of ran out of steam a bit, and uh, you know because it was it was you know there was phases in the second half where it was quite relentless from us, and uh, you know that was good to see because like I say in, in previous years, you know these are the games that, that we've struggled in. No, absolutely, we'll have, and, and for that reason, it was the one that I was looking for the result in, and you know the whole game before that as well. They're massive statements. Glenn says there, Dave, you know, it was a game of two halves. I know that you think it was a game of of one-third and two-thirds. And, you know, Glenn makes a point as well about Henderson in the midfield. They just didn't look as dynamic as, as they had done maybe in, in the previous games. That could have a lot to do with maybe a, a different mentality of playing away from home and so on. But Henderson has shown in, in the last maybe three, four games a sort of return to form. But he was a bit sort of stale in this one. That could extend to maybe all of the players in, in that first half anyway. What, what were your thoughts, Dave? It's weird. When we play well, it's difficult to pick out one standout performer. And I think it's the same when we're, when we're not at it. It's difficult to say that any one player... Is, is really off their game. It seems to be really are almost like a machine. When one part of it breaks down, all of it breaks down. Um, do you but, think that the early conceding that early goal, Dave? Is that do you do you, do you think that plays into it? I don't know. It's, to be honest, it's one of the little niggles I have. Set pieces aside, is that we haven't really come out of the traps right from the first the first whistle in any game, even if it's only. 
five, ten minutes. You know, I think Leicester's first five, ten minutes looked decent until they got the grips. Even Hull for the first five or ten minutes looked decent. You know, you go back to the Arsenal game, you go back to the Burnley game. And it's it's just seemed to get us a lot longer um, to get the grips with the pace of the game on Saturday than it has done. To be fair to Swansea, they were, I think, they come out of the traps really, really well. Um, they were really up for it the last 25 minutes, and it seemed they just gave everything that they had to give in that first half an hour. And then we did start to take control. As I say, it's it's just that it's just that one little niggle that I have that we, we haven't come flying out of the traps and put teams in the back boot right from the right from the goal. Um, so we'll wait and see if that is going to get addressed and if that is a change. But getting to grips with games earlier and taking control of them earlier um, is something that we're going to have to start to learn to do. No, what what Dave's saying there, Neil. You know, we saw Phil Coutinho with, with Lana going off around the 17 minute mark. Phil sort of dropped back in, sort of to a more midfield role to allow Sturridge come on. And I was honestly quite impressed with the, with the space that he found there and the damage that he was able to cause whenever we did actually get a foothold in the game. Yeah, is this something you'd like to see going forward, Neil? I mean, I think we've spoken about it. You know, uh, if not on air, definitely off air. You know, he seems he just seems to be a better fit in that role, and he seems to play better, and he can dominate games then in that role. And I think it was quite noticeable. You know, maybe a bit of a coincidence, but I, I think at the same time that was when Sturridge came on and Coutinho was able to drop in there. It, that coincided with the with us beginning to get a foothold in the game. And he's just, he's just, he runs games from there. I mean, so much more involved. He's got all the play ahead of him. He can drive with the ball. He can play quick one-twos. He can look for a through ball. He offers so much from that position. And, you know, I think it, it, it may be something that we see more of. I mean, it's, it's happened a few times now in-game that he's been dropped into that position to accommodate Thuridge or somebody else coming on, another another forward player. I'm one of the fans that wants to see Sturridge, Firmino, Coutinho and Mane on the pitch together as often as possible. So I think for that to work, Coutinho almost has to drop in to a midfield position to allow, to, you know, to accommodate all, all of that. So, yeah, I think it's something we could see more of. It has been used, as I said, by Klopp, by Klopp in the last couple of games. And it'll be interesting to see if Lallana is out, because obviously he came off came off injured and we're, we're still to ascertain how long he, he may be out for. If he is out for the United game, it'll be interesting to see whether whether Klopp opts to start the game like that or whether it's uh, Emery Chan coming into the midfield. And Dave, for you, um, you, you know, we've yet to really see Emery Chan this season. Um, you know, a couple of a couple of little cameos at the end of games. We kind of touched on this before we started recording, where it would be hopeful that he'd be getting his fitness up during these sixteen days, in the hope that because I think he's the type of player we want we want to see against uh, United. Certainly, he he can control a midfield probably better than anybody that we have at the moment. And um, what would your thoughts be about that? To be honest, Dave, I, I at the minute I wouldn't change it unless we have to. Um, and there will be times when we have to change it. Um, I don't know if Chan is, he doesn't look ready to me just yet, a bit the way Origi doesn't look ready. And I think, you know, you have to be really at your physical peak to be able to come into that side and do a job and function along with the rest of the team. So, uh, and I don't think Klopp will risk him unless he is 100%. And we saw that with Firmino against Chelsea where he had a little bit of a strain little tiny thing that was enough to keep him out for one week. And even though it was a massive game away to Stamford Bridge, and Firmino has been, in my opinion, probably, along with Lalana, the most influential player we've had this season, Klopp didn't risk him. 
I can't see Chan coming back in until he's absolutely 100% barring all cylinders. Um, and to be honest, I don't think we've really any need to change it. I think when Aldum's presence in the midfield started to grow, and I think his presence grew into the game as much as anybody's did. Um, and I know Coutinho and Firmino will take the headlines, and they you know dovetailed really well, and they seem to form this little alliance out with Milner on the left-hand side that really caused 20 problems. But um, I thought when Aldum's influence in the middle of the park and linking that play up. And he seemed to get further forward than he has done in previous games as well. And I suppose that's the benefit of having having all these number 10s in your side where they can just drift higher up the pitch when needs be and be able to see the pass and, and get on the end of things in the box and time the runs into the box. So I don't think that's what Chan's going to give you, if you know what I'm saying. Now, there's the argument you could push Henderson forward, do a comedy at Chan, but Henderson's doing a fantastic job in that number six role, as Klopp calls it at the minute. So, to be honest, Dave, I'm not for changing that right now. I, I can buy into what you're saying, Dave. It's not broken, don't fix it. But, you know, obviously at some point, and yet there will be injuries. He, he, you know, Emery Chan will get back in again. But as you say, with the intensity of, of the play that, that, that Klopp is aspiring to, you can't be anything other than, than, than tip-top fit. Glenn, I want to come to you with on, on another angle. And, you know, we, we saw James Milner, what is it now, four penalties in this season or something he scored he, he can fairly hit a penalty can't he yeah I mean he's he sort of turned in the arm Mr. Dependable for me it was a bit, it was a bit of a no-brainer to, to put him in at left back I'm not exactly Alberto Marino's biggest fan um, if I'm totally honest so uh, after his display against Arsenal I think everyone would kind of realise that it was time for a change and Milner he's come in and he's been he's been brilliant at left back you know he's he's taken to it like a duck to water and uh you know, throughout his career, he's played in all different kinds of positions. You know, we, I think you know he's he's played up front at times. He's played out wide. He's played central midfield. Um, you know, he plays even he hasn't played a centre half. But um, <laughs> who knows what could happen? But yeah, I mean, like like I say, he's just uh, he's not, he's just been been really solid for us so far this season. Um, like you say, when he stepped up there on Saturday, you know, part of me was thinking, you no, know, he, he's due to miss one here. But you know, he was so cool just to almost dink that down the middle. He was uh, he was great down the left. Uh, a lot of the the good play we had in the second half came through him. Um, I don't remember there was one chance where he was he was came and came down the left. He played a one two, might have been with Firmino when he sort of nicked it off the defender and he pulled it back for Mane and the, the shot was blocked. But yeah, I mean he's uh, he's been one of our our best performers uh, so far this season. You know he's probably not going to get all the headlines the likes of Mane might do or Coutinho, but. Uh, you know what you're going to get from him, and uh, you know you can rely on him to to put in a shift, and uh, you know he's always going to give you 100. percent You know that's for sure. No, and and that's the one thing. You know, I, I'm I'm a critic, Glenn, to be honest with you, off, and I was very critical of, of him being a left back. But with every week that goes by, he sticks two fingers up at me, and long may it continue <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, because as I say, I just was I was dumbfounded by him being put at left back. Uh, and I even spoke with Stevie Greve, who did the tactics. He said, I can understand right back, but left back, no. But he, he has done the job. And I'm going to come back to Neil again. And, and Glenn mentioned another thing there, the amount of number 10s. And we, 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 we heard Klopp talk about it in Monday Night Football last week, about the amount of number 10s. Did Brendan actually do him a blessing in disguise by buying that many number 10s? Because Klopp seems to be able to utilise them. Well, you never know. Maybe he did, but... Um well, it, it's it's the their ability to interchange and their ability to play across the positions and dovetail with each other and the way Klopp has them, you know, all making forward runs into the box and all 
making the unselfish run as well. You, you know, we get a lot of number 10s and it, it's one of these positions where a lot of pundits refer to it like as a, as a luxury position and uh, they'd all love to play number 10 because, you know, we've got limited responsibility. I mean, it's very different with with our team at the moment with, with Liverpool at the minute. All those number 10s, they all have defensive jobs. They all have space to close down. They all have pressing to do. And, you know, they all, they all work as hard for the team as... Any of the less glamorous players, shall we say? What it does do is it it, it means that the opposition defences have got a hell of a problem because when they're playing at their best, all three of them are in between the lines, and they're all you know there are times where where they're almost telepathic. Obviously, it's not telepathic because it's it's rehearsed and it's practiced and it's trained. But you know the movement, first time play, the one touch play, one and two touch. You know the runs that are being made. Opposition defences can't deal with it, so perhaps Rodgers did do do him a favour <laughs> in some way or another. But um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of it's down to how they've been coached this because, season. You know, we ha- used to go on Neil about you know we're far too many fucking number tens. Every time we buy it as a number ten, but as I say, the the thing I admire about Klopp is he seems to have adopted some sort of, of of system where he can he can manage them all and they all have a function and they all function together as you say, and and it, it's kind of curious. Yeah, it was because the, the 10 becomes the 9 and, and so on, and then it, it flips again. And, you know, he, he is using the three number 10s in a way that Rodgers never really, really dreamed of. Uh, I don't know, perhaps perhaps in his wildest dreams that this is exactly how he wanted he wanted uh, them to play. But, you know, Klopp's got the right blend. For, in Firmino, you know, you've got a number 10, but he's he's also got the instinct of a number nine. He knows where to be, he knows where to position himself. I mean that that goal, for example, at the weekend, that's that's a brilliant striker's goal. He's the furthest man forward. Uh he knows exactly where all all the defenders are, all the opposition players are. He has a look. I mean Neil Atkinson mentioned it uh on the, the Anfield rap and you, you rewatch it and he does have a look just before as soon as the ball gets deflected from the free kick back to Henderson he looks around and he knows exactly where everyone is. He knows exactly where the keeper is and he uses his intelligence. He knows if he heads it down into the ground, it's going to pick up off the turf and if he puts it in the right place, it's going in. It's a brilliant striker's goal. So he has those instincts as well and having players with with the multiple attributes that can both create and score goals, it's really great because you're spreading the goals around and there isn't so much pressure on anyone to deliver and we're really seeing the benefits. No, indeed, and I remember whenever he came, maybe we did a podcast on it, you know, with you being in Germany, and and you know, I'd seen him in the, in the false nine role for for Brazil, prior to the last Cup of America, not the centenario, and I, I was like, well, maybe not, but it seems to be the system, uh, it seems to be the system dictates whether he is effective in the false nine or not. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think so, and I think in a in a situation where you know you're playing with a coach who who has very clear ideals and who. You know, you're really starting to see that blueprint move over from Dortmund in a way to to Liverpool in the sense of the fluidity, the movement, and the incisiveness or incision of the attacks, the the vertical play, the absolutely pouncing on on any kind of a defensive error and trying to get to the the most direct route to the, to the goal. And I think that suits Firmino. I think he's one of the most intelligent players I've I've ever seen play the game. I think he's always two or three steps ahead in his thinking and that's in terms of anticipating a mistake it's in terms of like I just mentioned with the, with the finish you notice as well I mean he, he in the first couple of minutes of the, the second half 
during the downpour, he faces a shot in that he just all he's trying to do with that shot is make sure it bounces just in front of the keeper. It's the first real shot in anger in the second half, and it sets the tone. And when you've got somebody of that intelligence, and you've not just got one, I mean, because Coutinho's incredibly gifted in the, you know in, in reading the game. Sturge is an incredibly intelligent player, and it seems that we have now more and more uh, really clever footballers uh, playing together, and that that can only be a good thing. No, I, I couldn't argue with you. And Dave, for you, you know, we're we're away into the international break. Some may say we scraped our way through to three points. There's three points earned at the end of the season. There are three points. What do you think this will do for the for, for the squad and the belief in themselves? Do, do, do you believe this will be a major? You know, we go away for two weeks, but we come back as always to another big game. They all seem big all of a sudden. And you know, I'm, I'm thinking more of the squad harmony and so on. Going away in an international break on the back of that result and coming back to United again. How, how do you think that will affect them? Well, I think the result in itself. And coming from a goal down and a, a difficult start, keeping the keeping that patience towards the end, but being incisive at the same time. Like I watched Arsenal. I don't know how Arsenal managed to win that game on Sunday, but illegally they were. Well, <laughs> there is there is that, I suppose. But they shifted the ball back and forward like they do, really nice across the front, and and there was never any incision. A bit like we were against Burnley. And that might be down to Burnley as much as anything else, but we had that incision with that patience. And once we got the second goal, we continued um, to be even more incisive. And to be honest, you know, you could have had two or three more there. So I think that in itself shows that there has been a shift in mentality within the squad that they're not going to lay, lay down and die, and they're not going to think, oh well, it's just not our day. Oh. Or as maybe some of the crowd were thinking, or some of the guys sitting at home watching were thinking, here we go again. So, you know, that feels sorry for themselves. That attitude seems to have started to go. So I think it'll do more for the fan base than it will for the players, because it's apparent to me that the players are now starting to see that they can go out and they can win football matches, no matter no matter what the score is with 15 minutes to go. So... I think that reaffirms it with the players, but it'll do a lot more for um, the patience of the supporters inside the stadium. If we are one each with Swansea with eight minutes left on the clock. So and that can that can only help benefit results at the end of the day and help improve the atmosphere, particularly at home games. And you know, I think you know, there'll be no bigger atmosphere than a Monday night coming up at home to at home to United, um, when everybody can get down to the bars early. I'm really looking forward to hearing what the atmosphere is like. First evening game, new stadium, new stand, 54,000 in. Um, and us potentially being able to go six points clear of them. And going six points clear of a, what some people would call a title rival is massive, even at this early stage of the season. No, it is without a doubt. Um, you, you know, you're, you segue me nicely in because I want to come around and actually have a bit of a discussion about the United. I'm going to start with Glenn. They're a bit of a mishmash at the minute, but... I'd still be wary of them at Anfield, Glenn. What, what, what are your expectations for this, and what, what do you think he'll do? Well, I mean, first thing I'll say, we'll, we'll be going into the game with, with massive confidence, you know, after the, the way we've came back against Swansea, because obviously, like I say, we've touched on before, we have struggled in these games previously, so it's, uh, you know, I'll do their confidence the world are good to know that we're, we're capable of grinding out these kind of results. But, I mean, in, in terms of the United game, obviously, massive game, regardless of, of where we are in the table. 
as they have touched on the extra capacity now the first game under the lights really it's it's going to be massive uh, I think in terms sort of like more tactically obviously we we touched on before about you know whether Emery Chan may come back into the side I think the club will will try and stick with his his regular eleven you know provided that Lalana's fit and ready to go. We've been getting the results, and we've gone away at Arsenal and away at Chelsea with uh, with that three mid three in midfield, and and they've done the job for us. Me personally, I, I would bring Emery Chan back in. Obviously, he, he might be sharp. Sorry, he might be um, a bit short of of match fitness at the minute. I don't think he's been included in the latest Germany squad, so we've got a couple of weeks um, under Klopp at the at Melwood to to try and get himself back up to back up to speed. But I mean, the reason I put him in is just I, I'd expect Mourinho to put uh, Fellaini and Pogba in the midfield and um, Wijnaldum and Lallana. I don't know if they match. They're going to match be able to match them too physically. I think if you bring Emery Chan in there, put him into that that holding midfield role, and then we just push Henderson uh, forward of him, and then you can either put in Wijnaldum or Lallana. I would probably go with Wijnaldum just just for the fact that obviously with Lallana coming off against Swansea, he, he might not be. 100% fit but uh, no, I think it's it's a it's a massive game obviously but I think it's a bigger game for United because they've got more to lose than what we have because obviously like like Dave says they go six points behind us if, if we win but not only that they could potentially you know be seven points behind Spurs and, and eight behind City if results go that way so I always see it as a bit of like a free hit for us you know so I, I really hope that we go out and really take the game to them and and to be honest, I, I expect United with Mourinho as manager to come along and and shut up shop, and I, I'd say he's going to play. <laughs> well, yeah, like I mean, a la Chelsea, thirteen fourteen, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he went with Rashford and Martial either side of it, Ibrahimovic, and just played on the break, you know, because United, apart from them too, you know, you're, you're struggling to see any real real pace in the side, and uh, Mourinho's not going to come and take the game to us because it's it's never been never been his thing to do that you know he's going to come and try and frustrate us and he's going to try and make a goal from a set piece and obviously it's well documented our, our struggles from set pieces um the last sort of 18 months and you know when you look at the, the physicality in the United side and as I say when you have the likes of Fellaini, Pogba, Ibrahimovic, Smalling there they are going to be a real threat and that's probably where you, you see their best chance coming uh, of scoring a goal against us but um I mean, I just think sort of with the crowd, the crowd's going to be at fever pitch and uh, I really feel that the clock, he'll have the players really fired up and they'll come flying out of the blocks and um, I fancy it's really to, to go and take the game to them and I'm confident we can definitely get a, a win against them and, you know, the fact that you know, by getting the win, we go six points clear of them, make it even more sweeter, you know, so um, massive game, obviously, like we say, but um, I'm confident we will, we'll get a result. No, I, I kind of share your sentiments. I, I, I'm pretty positive about this. I normally hate United games. I can't wait for this one to come up. I have to wait fucking over two weeks for it. Now, yourself, you know, what What do you expect? I, you know, we know what we're going to get with Jose Mourinho. And of all what we class as our, our nearest rivals for those top four places, they're probably the most negative team that, that'll come to Anfield of, those, of that group of teams. And, you know, we have, we have he's hurt us in the past. I would like to put this team to the sword well. I think we have the, the, the equipment to do that with the players to do that if, the, if they're at the top of their game. What what do you expect now? Yeah, well, much the same. If Coutinho and Firmino, especially, I know you've got worries about the, the long the long distances and the number of flights they're going to have to take over the international break. But if we've got a fully fully fit squad 
to pick from, essentially. We've absolutely got the tools to take them apart. I mean, no team likes to be pressed and pressured, and certainly not the way you would imagine Liverpool would, would start that game. They are a good side, however, and, and I agree with, with Glenn, I think, and, and yourself. I think they will try and shut, shut, shut up shop as much as possible. They, they'll look not to give anything away. They will try and hit us on the break. I think Rashford could give Milner his, his biggest test of the season. He's a very good player and he's, he's lightning. And if he forces Milner backwards, that's not his, his those aren't his greatest attributes in that in that position. He's much better when you know when when coming forward. So there will be tests. You know uh, they'll definitely they'll definitely look to hit us on on set pieces as well. It's well documented. It's our Achilles heel. And yeah, last week Dave, you mentioned that we were the the 18th worst in, in conceding goals. But it's actually the 18th the 18th in the league at, at conceding goals from set pieces, and that's probably gone down again after. Um, after the weekend there. So they'll look to hit us there. Obviously Zlatan's huge and great in the air. Obviously Pogba's massive, smalling. You know, they've got they've got big lads there and that's really how they destroyed Leicester so so easily because Leicester was so atrocious from those set pieces. I think it was three they scored from corners. Having said that, they don't look that great in open play. They do still have their own sort of worries. They have lost drop points again there at the weekend against the Premier League's bottom side. At the time, at home, with our wee I, Joe I, scoring know, too, Neil, your your wee favourite scored the equaliser. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Former Liverpool players scoring uh, against both Everton and Man United this weekend to, to earn draws. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? So you know they're they're not they're not on top form. There's no doubt about that. City sort of schooled them in the in the certainly in the first half at Old Trafford and and should really have, have beaten them more comfortably in the end. And that's a, a City team that looks much less happy, shall we say, without the likes of, of De Bruyne and, and Alito involved. They're beatable, and I would expect this, not expect this, but I'd certainly believe that we can beat them and we should beat them. But obviously it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Um Milner's gonna have his work cut out, I think, against against Rashford. The one area that worries me about Milner is his, you know, and we covered this, you know, at the time that we were ranting about it, is the recovery pace. And when you've got, you got something like Rashford or Martial there running that you fucking hell, you know, that you need to be able to, to to get back there. So maybe, obviously, again, Dave, we spoke before the, the the pod that he has the back five for the entirety of the um the international break, and hopefully there'll be a bit of homework, a lot of homework done in in, in trying to stop things and trying to improve these set pieces, but. From that aspect, what what are you expecting? Again, are you, would you share everyone's confidence? I I think you know we're we're good for this, and we should be. I don't think United are after a good start, and I was impressed with them. I'm not impressed with them anymore. I haven't been impressed with them this year, to be honest. I think they've been poor. I think they don't create they don't create a lot of chances, and it doesn't seem to be the cohesion in their team yet that you would expect with the Mourinho side. So. I do expect them to get better, but I don't. I don't know. God, I'm, I'm not even going to say it. Um, I, I'm. I'm confident. I'm confident. I think we're. I think at this point in time, we're a far better side than they are. As far as the back four goes, yeah, it needs that needs work. Um, I think on Saturday, you know, you could put you could pick out three or four guys not doing their job on Saturday um, for the goal. Matt up as soon as the ball goes over his head, he's static. Henderson goes for a. Dander, I don't know where he's off to. Milner again switches off once the ball goes over over his head, and and I don't know who's beating the back post. 
So there's, so there's right. work needed there. There's definitely work needed. The, the big question for me, and this is, a big question is, what does he do about the goalkeeper? You know, he, he said during the week that he, he doesn't have yet a number one. I know we're all raving about this goalkeeper that we've never seen before, how brilliant he is. But I've been, I wasn't impressed, not pressed at all on Saturday with him. His kicking was certainly better than Mignolet's, but, uh, you know, the one at the end that he, he maybe should come for, the corner that he comes for, um, that he gets absolutely nowhere near. And I think that there's an argument to throw Mignolet back in there because of the size of United's team that we've mentioned. Um, I don't know whether the young fella looks equipped for that as of yet. And I, for him... I'm not sure it's the right game to throw him into. So we'll wait and see. But that that's I think that's a question that's gonna that's gonna rumble on over the next few weeks until the game or else until Klopp decides to come out and tell us what's happening beforehand. No, and that's that's a fair cut. You're actually the second person this week who has advocated to me that we should play in Mingley. And I disagree. And I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna come to Neil on this one because you would have probably seen out of all of us probably you know, with with, with where you live and whatnot, you've probably seen a little bit more of him than, than we have. What, what would you what would you counter him, Dave, on that one, or would you agree with him? I I would agree that Carius didn't didn't have his most convincing display at the weekend there certainly, but I don't see Klopp making the change. I think he's he's made up his mind. Whatever he may be may be saying publicly, I think Carius is his number one and, until such time as he couldn't be, he couldn't possibly be. If, if you see what I mean, if that were to ever happen, well, I think he's, if, if he's, he's facing him against uh, Mengele, like he's a hell of a lot of fuck ups in the bank before he reaches that level. Like you know well, what I mean? Well, well, this is it. Like I mean, it, it's obviously it's going to take a little bit of time to adapt, particularly to the the physicality in the in the in the eighteen yard box, particularly in the six yard box that you sort of get away with because. And you know it, it does take a little bit to to adjust the plan at Liverpool. Um, there's no doubt about that. But we've we've seen catalogue of, of many layers over the years, and while he was playing quite well, I think Jurgen Klopp made it quite clear with with what he did, how he brought Carrius in for Derby, and how he stuck with him. And I think that he would have started the season had he not broken his hand punching Lovren. <laughs> yeah, I, I think also Mignolet will, will go away with with Belgium. Over the the next fortnight, and, and Carriage will be at Melwood along with the, the rest of the back five, as we've mentioned already. So I think there'll be a, there'll be a lot of work going on there. Certainly, um, he needs to he needs to judge those crosses a little better, and he needs to get used to or his back back four need to get used to to playing with him and what he's going to do. There's no doubt about that. But that can only happen if, if they get the chance to play together. You know, it's not so long ago that Mignolet was dropped for a game at Old Trafford to be replaced by Brad Jones because a lot, and a lot of exactly, and a lot of Liverpool, a lot of Liverpool fans said, "Oh well, he can't be any worse than Mignolet." And you know, guess what? You know, so he was a lot worse than Mignolet. <laughs> he, he, he absolutely was, but that's how low the regard of, of Mignolet was at, at that juncture, and it, it's never really gone beyond that. I mean, he's had a couple of of periods in, in, in his Liverpool career where he's played well for 10 games or 12 games or whatever, and and that's fine. But 
I just think it would be kind of sending out the wrong message on on a lot of counts. I think you, you'd undermine Carrius if you if you put Mignolet back in at this point uh, against Manchester United. You'd also be what would you really be saying to Mignolet? You know, you're one mistake away from from getting dropped again. You know, or just come in and save us this time, Simon. But you know, fuck off again afterwards. I just I just don't see it happening. And I think you know, new goalkeeper, young goalkeeper. He seems to be the manager's man, a hundred percent. So you've just got to kind of go with it, and and thankfully so far his shaky displays have, have both come in wins. I think certainly in, against Hull, his starting position contributed greatly to how we were able to pen them in and get that win. So I think he'll stick with him, and I think he should. And we may have to just kind of strap in <laughs> and just hope that uh, you know nothing nothing goes badly wrong here. I don't I don't think it will. I think he'll get his bearings. I think he'll get his confidence. But I think, yeah, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I was just going to say there, I think like the case for Mignolet to come in, you could only really make the case as if, if you were to say that Mignolet was actually good in the air. Because obviously, Karius, he's, he's struggled uh, in the, the two or three games that he's had, dealing with the crosses and from the set pieces. So if you were to say, well, drop Karius because he can't deal with him, but then you, your backup keeper's Mignolet and he can't deal with him either. You know, that's his biggest weakness. You know, it's different if you had a a, a goalkeeper who you know, say, for example, they may not be very good with their feet, but uh, you know they can come and they can they can catch the ball. And yes, there's maybe an argument for that, but Carius's weaknesses is probably the same as Mignolet's weakness at the minute. Um, because as, as I say, the Mignolet he's been in the Premier League now three or four years, or three or four years with Liverpool at least, and he's never been convincing. You know, when the ball comes in from the corner or or from a set piece, you always worry about him. I think with Carius. You know, obviously, he's just come into the game, so he will take time to adapt. You know, I mean, you look at De Gea at United, his first eighteen months, he really struggled with the physicality. I remember um, when we put them out of the FA Cup. Um, there was a trade like, he, he wouldn't even do. He was, you know, he was a waste of money and whatnot. And, and yeah, you know, that he wasn't going to make it. Yep, and he fairly proved us wrong. And I think that this is the thing. And you hit it, hit it there, Neil. Glenn's exactly right. You, you know, it takes a little bit of time to, to adjust to, to, to that maybe physicality in, in the area. You know, you watch both both leagues. And I think that's fair. You know, Glenn, you make an excellent point there. And, and for that reason, I would stick with him. But far ahead, Glenn, we've interrupted you. Our apologies. No, I was just going to say, I remember, as I say, I think it might have been De Gea's first season where we played United at Anfield in the FA Cup. And I, I remember it was like every corner, every every set piece where, was, where there was a ball in the box, we, we always put, a, I think it was Andy Carroll, was right on top of him. Because he just he had no sort of authority inside the six yard box, and uh, he he really struggled to adapt at that stage of the um, of his career at United. But obviously, since then, you know he's he's went on and he's probably become one of the best keepers in the league. But yeah, and I mean another keeper as well. I mean Bravo as well. He's just come in, and you know the United game was a perfect example. You know where he he threw one in from a coming out to try and collect a, a high ball and. Uh, as I say, this is something that they're going to have to deal with on a weekly basis in the Premier League, and uh, especially when you're when you come up against some of the teams who play very direct, you know, the likes of West Broms and uh, Crystal Palaces and uh, and Watford. You know, we've got them big target men up front, but Carrius, you know, he's a young keeper. He, you, we've bought him with the thinking being he's going to be our keeper for the next sort of seven eight years. So you've got to sort of give him a, an opportunity to to get uh, to get blooded in the Premier League and. He will, he will drop the old, the old clanger, you know. But every keeper does. But it's just, I, I think we've, we've got to stick with him, and uh, I'm sure he'll be fine. Does anybody have any fear? You know, we haven't really seen him make a, a big save yet, 
And I think that could maybe sort of be a catalyst to his confidence as well. You know, like really, it's just his distribution for me is a hundred times better than Mignolet. I'll say I haven't seen enough of his actual goalkeeping skills. You know, actually stopping shots to to, to make any comparison with him and Mignolet. Neil or, or Dave, anybody, just throw it open. What are your What are your thoughts on it? Well, we haven't really. We're not giving up that many shots, so it's it's kind of tough for him to to prove himself. I think we're leading the way and we've had conceded the fewest shots uh, in the league I believe so yeah it's pretty hard for him to like make those eye catch and saves or, or you know do something get himself pumped up I mean he's come for a couple like I say he's come for a couple of crosses and maybe flapped at them or or not come where he perhaps should have so that's really been been the gripe when he had to come off his line against Derby he did very well and his, his starting position as I mentioned earlier helped a lot against against Hull and you mentioned his distribution which just keeps things ticking over much much better which is exactly what we need for the kind of intense uh, pressure we're trying to put teams under all that uh, is great but yeah I mean if you're not conceding those shots then um, it's very hard for him to like I say put, pick one out of, the, out, of, out of the top corner or whatever so I don't know it depends what way you, where you look at it obviously it's good that we're not conceding the shots but I can see what you mean. You you don't really have much to much to base it base it on. I mean, he is a good shot stopper. He's very quick. He gets down quickly. He's got great reflexes. But um, we'll have to wait and see if we can uh, if somebody can test him. You know, somebody can get a few shots in. He'll definitely be tested against United. No doubt about that. You know, when you were saying there before about you know you haven't really seen any sort of like big saves from him yet. You know, that's the one thing Mignolet can say that he has done in big moments. Like we all remember on his debut against Stoke. He made that, you know, it was not only he saved the penalty, but then he got up and made the rebound, uh, you know, to, to win the game. And then, you know, obviously started this season against Arsenal, you know, obviously that, that, that penalty save turned out to be crucial in the end, you know. So, I mean, to be fair, obviously, like Mignolet has had a lot of stick over in his time with Liverpool and, you know, to some extent, rightly so. But I think it goes unnoticed that, you know, he has sometimes, you know, he has pulled us out of a hole on a couple of occasions. And obviously with Carrier, it, remains to be seen, you know, whether or not that'll be the case. Um, but as I say, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, I think you, you know, we've got to give him a chance. As I say, it's early days yet. But, uh, you know, fingers crossed, he, he turns out to be, uh, you know, a good keeper for us. And I think, you know, basically, if we, if we look ahead a couple of weeks, I think our, our back five, I don't think we, we, we would have, any of us would have any argument over, you know, the, the well, Dave seems to think uh, maybe the goalkeeper is in question, but the other four in front of them, Dave, it's pretty much nailed on for this game, would you agree? Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's Klein, Lovren, Maddock and Milner, isn't it? And it's it's it's, it's only ever going to be <laughs> It's working to what? an extent. You know, it's working to an extent well, as well. You've got to let them I settle. Think, well, that's it. They haven't really settled, have they? Have they played maybe two consecutive games together, maybe? Um, but, you know, Lovren was out with his, with his eye... Maddox was out at the start of the season. Um, Miller didn't start the season at left back. Clavin's come in, played there. Lucas has come in, played there. So you know, there's you do like your back four to be settled and and know what each other are doing and know each other's games. And that includes the goalkeeper. And you're right, Caius will need to come in. He'll he'll need to be given be given a given a run in the team for the the, the back four to get used to him and, and vice versa. So that if if we have those guys available and and Klopp can work with them for the next you know fortnight, then perfect because that's where we're going to be tested by United. It's not going to be through the middle of the park. 
Um, it's not going to be in the midfield areas. I don't think it will be from, from set pieces and from high balls into the box. Fingers crossed that we can start to address that issue because we do concede goals. And you were talking about the number of goals that we conceded earlier on. But I think we have to accept that the way top side plays, in the last few games as opposed to the three or whatever it was, three and two that was happening early on the season at Arsenal and Burnley respectively. But um, the one thing that we can cut out are goals from set pieces. And that's a good, you know, I don't know, what's that? 40% or something of the goals that we're conceding at the minute are goals from set pieces. So, you know, if you cut that out, you give yourself an, a brilliant chance of, of getting up and competing with the league, especially when you couple that with the goals that we're scoring. So, you know, this might not be addressed right away for the United game, but if we can get this issue put to bed over the next, you know, four or five weeks, then, you know, moving into the Christmas period and beyond, I think we'll be in a brilliant place. Well, one hopes so. And, and you know, before, have any of you guys anything else to pitch in the back for before we start taking a look more interesting the midfield, what we, what we think is going to happen? Anything more to add, lads? Well, just on the defence side, I actually, when you look back on the games, you know, Yes, obviously, we're not keeping clean sheets. So, you know, your first instinct to think is, oh, well, we're not very good defensively. But the goals we're conceding are from set pieces. So it's not like we're being ripped apart by teams or we're leaving big spaces at the back and we're being caught out in the counter attack. You know, I mean, like the Swansea game there, yes, we were a bit shaky at the start and uh, Iman Borja had a, a good chance to score. But their goal came from a set piece. The whole goal, it was a set piece as well. The goal against uh, Leicester, um, that was just a you know a giveaway. But again, not one where we're being sliced open. To say obviously the clean sheet record's not obviously great, but by no means does that mean that we're a terrible defensive unit. We everyone kind of tends to associate defensive football with like Mourinho parking the bus and getting ten men behind the ball. Uh, everyone associates that with a, a good defensive side, but. Because we're pressing the ball so high up the pitch, people don't tend to recognise that as good defending. But it's almost like we're attacking the team whenever they've got the ball. Because when you win it so high up the pitch, you know you're you're already straight in on their goal. You know, so I think uh, yes, no doubt the set pieces that needs to be rectified sooner rather than later. But you know, I still don't think we're as bad a defensive unit as it's you know some people may may think we are. No, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I want to move into the midfield here, Neil. For you, what what, what way would you set up here? You know, we look at the back four. There, I think that pretty much speaks for itself. But the rest could get interesting. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. And I think it. I think it all depends. I think it depends on a couple of things. I think it depends on Lalana's fitness. Uh, I think if Lalana's fit, I can see him just just naming the same three in midfield: Lalana, Wijnaldum, and Henderson. If Lalana isn't fit, that sort of opens up then uh, the question of of which way he goes. Does he drop Coutinho in there like he has done in game, where where he's had you know really quite a profound effect from that position and and bring Sturridge in and go that way, uh, giving us more attacking focus and more you know more movement up front and, and more options in that way. Or if if if, if Emery Chan's match fit. Does Emery Chan come in to the to a midfield three and and does he go four three three with with Sturridge on the bench, uh, Mane, Firmino, Coutinho in the front three? Um, so that that's really one for for Klopp to ponder. I think I think if if Chan is a hundred percent fit and raring to go, I think this might be a game for for him to come in. Um, you've got Pogba in, in the Manchester United midfield. You've got that physicality in there. He's obviously a very good player. Slightly indifferent start, but um, you know there is there is quality there. 
So it might be one for him to come in. But again, you know, it's it's those it's those questions. It's whether Lallana's fit. As I said, if he's fit, I think he starts, and and it's not even a question. And then it, then it's really up to whether uh, Klopp wants to wants to play with Sturridge or or bring Emery in for his first start of the season. It, it'll it'll really be up to up to the manager and up to the fitness of the players. Would anybody be tempted to throw Origi in in front of uh, Sturridge, given the fact that you know he's, that's a big lad? Like every time he's come on, I appreciate Dave. You said earlier, you know, he, he doesn't look fully fit yet, but he would give uh, the, the United fullbacks something more to think about. I think the United fullbacks will have enough to think about, Dave. To be honest, the, the front three um, of whatever three of the four it is at the minute, just on uh, when they get into their groove. We can blow a team away in 15 minutes. We can kill a game in 15 minutes. That's how good they are at the minute. The numbers that they're they're creating across all four of them in goals and assists. Um, and then you, you put the Lana into that category as well. That I understand where you're coming from, but against this team, we want to keep the ball in the deck. We want to keep it in the deck and we want to keep it quick. And we want to, we want to do what we've been doing, breaking the lines, quick interchanges, the passing quick and intelligent movement, and that's what's going to pull this team apart. Um, Arizzi certainly an option to come on towards the end if we can get ourselves into a, a two-goal lead. And I think, talking about the midfield, I, I completely agree with Neil. I think it'll it'll hinge on Lallana's fitness and there'll be then a toss-up between whether it's um, Coutinho, you maybe move back into the midfield and push push Sturridge through the middle or, or Chan to come in. Either way, Chan will be used Definitely, and I think if we can get ourselves into position and um, we're, we're a couple of goals up, then Chan's a great option to have from the bench to come in and deal with how they will react to that, which is pump balls into the penalty area. And we've seen them do it the last 15, 20 minutes all season when they've been behind. So I can't see it shifting too much and see the way we're playing at the minute, the chances we're creating, the goals that we're scoring. And you've seen the numbers yourselves. We're the best team in the league at the minute at creating chances, scoring goals, playing through the middle in the last third, passes in the last third, touches in the opposition penalty areas, all that shit that people talk about. We're the top, we're best in the league in that category, so absolutely not. Well, we, I am really, really confident that we will give them a torrid time if we can get that 11 on the pitch. No, and Glenn, for you, uh, do you go any different than that? You know, I, I tend to fall in. I, w- I would like to think Alana will be fit. There's also a, a slight question mark, although I don't think it's serious over Nathaniel Klein. But that could be an interesting one as well. Should he not pull through? <laughs> you know, no, we've, we've had our back four nailed on, but I forgot about that actually when I was speaking. I think it is just a niggle. He should be fine. But you, would you go with the, with the guys there in, in their assessment of who should start? Yeah, well, I mean, I sort of touched on that before about bringing Emery Chan in, just sort of to maybe match up with them a bit more in terms of physicality, because um, I would be surprised if Mourinho didn't go with Fellaini and Pogba. He does tend to, to go with uh, with Fellaini in the middle um, in the bigger games. So, yeah, you, you would naturally put in Emery Chan there um, alongside Henderson, and then, you know, you could either have a, you could have a case for either Wijnaldum or Lallana to start... I, I really like Lalana. Um, say this season, you know, he's been he's been brilliant for us. But not just going forward, but uh, you know, sort of touched on it in previous pods about you know the quality of his pressing. With uh, with when we've gone with Firmino up top, you know, we get a great work rate out of him. Um, and Firmino, you know, like like Faba touched on in, in the Monday Night Football about pressing the defenders in the bad areas of the pitch out wide. You know, once that first ball is played, Lalana, he's always the second player on top of the. Of the opposition player he's receiving, pressing them, and uh, against United, obviously we want to come flying out of the traps. And Lallana, he's really good for setting the tone of the of our pressing game. So 
I think if he's fit, you know, perhaps he he could start over over Wijnaldum because I think Wijnaldum, you know, he's looked neat and tidy, but I think maybe with him, he's maybe more of a slow burner. And I kind of had this conception of him as a sort of like a box to box midfielder who'd chip in with goals and assists. And at, at the minute, um, I think he's only got maybe one or two assists. And uh, I still think he's. Uh, He's still short of, of top form, but um, if I if all players were fully fit, I, I would go with um, Chan Holden and then Henderson and Lalana ahead of him because them two that you know have got bundles of energy, and I think uh, Lalana obviously with him being the more creative out of the three, um, he gives you you an extra dimension going forward. So I mean that would be my three if 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 all if all players were were hundred percent, but. I mean, that's not to say if, if it was the usual three of Henderson, Alana and Wijnaldum, you know, I'd be disappointed because, you know, they, they've proved that they can get the job done um, so far this season. No, they have indeed. And listen, I'll stay with you because I want to bring this to a close. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you what your prediction is in the scoreline. Oh, it's United. Like I say, it's I, hard to do against United, isn't it? <laughs> I know, because you can have egg in your face in a couple of weeks' time. But no, like... Let's, let's be fair. I mean, we've, we've said how confident we are, so you know we've got to stick to our guns. So um, I'm going to say we're going to come out of the traps and uh, we're going to get a couple goals ahead. They might nick one, nick one back, but I'll go for three one Liverpool. I fancy that very much myself, Neil. For you, he's still in my one. I was definitely going to say three one as well. Like, well, you can't go three now. So yeah. <laughs> no, I think I, I just I do think we will concede, but I think we'll win the game. And yeah, three one sounds about right to me. And um, I don't think they'll be able to live with our with our pressing and our energy. And, and I think if they if if they start on top form, then we could you know we could run away with it early on, like get a couple up as as Glenn said. And yeah, three one three one sounds about right to me. Dave, are you going to be boring? Or are you going to come up with something original? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I'm going to say a clean sheet for the second week in a row. Oh, just Jesus. Eight minutes it took, Dave. Eight minutes, fuck's sake. That's you, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> we I know. I know. Fuck's sake. Uh, I was so, so confident. Are you going for, you going uh, for four? I know. I'm gonna, I'm, no, honestly, I'm asking for this clean sheet every week until I get it. So I'm going 3-0. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen United, this United team get enough this season for me to be overly concerned about this game. And you're right, it could be sitting here looking like a dick next week or two weeks from two weeks from today. But fine, that's okay. I can I can deal with that. Um, I don't think they'll have they'll have come up against anything like anything like they're going to run into at Anfield on, on that Monday night. I just think going forward at the minute we just look absolutely irresistible, um, and they'll not be able to resist. No, well said. I couldn't honestly disagree with that. It's it's rarely that I'm this confident, and it worries me actually. That I'm this confident going to a game against United because I'm normally shitting it and sitting on the fence. But seriously, I just think that we're re- we're in a position to do them real damage here. And also, you know, the damage as the first well as- goal is going to be vital. Absolutely. Um, if they if they get a, if they if they score a goal early on, set piece, corner, whatever. Um, in the first 15, 20 minutes, even the first half an hour, I think we could be in for a long, long game. Um, but fingers crossed, we can, as, as the guys say, they're going to come out of the traps area and we can hit them for a couple in the first 15, 20 minutes and, and then have them chasing the game because I think if they are chasing the game, we could build up a significant enough lead to have the game dead at 60 or 70 minutes. If we get the chances against them, City got in, in the second half, we'll, we'll score guys. I mean, we will throw us. them away. Yeah, so... That was my definite way of saying it could be five. I hope six. 
<laughs> fact, <laughs> fucking double figures against that scum. Anything, anything at all. But you know, I, I can I can actually live with with conceding goals now. You know, it's it's the only thing that I would have negative to say at this moment in time is you know that we keep leaking the goals and whatnot. But we're winning. Fuck it. You know what I mean? It's like. You know, I was I was like, oh, we have to do better. But no, you know what? As long as the three points come, I don't care whether it's five, four, three, two, three, one. You know, it, it would be nice to be able to say, yeah, we're a great defensive unit, but we're a fantastic attacking unit. Listen, I'll, I'll throw it open to you before we close. Is there anything else anybody wants to bring up or discuss before we go? I was just going to touch on just say that it's going to be one hell of an atmosphere. That's for sure. Oh on, God, yeah. In a couple of weeks' time, and you know, I'm I'm trying desperately to get a to get a ticket at the minute, and uh, you know. If I if I can get there, Christmas has come early for me. But uh, as I say, the atmosphere is definitely going to play a part. And uh, I think the first 10, 15 minutes, you know, we we really are going to go hell for leather just to you know to, to press them and harry them every chance we get. And it'll be interesting to see how they cope with that because I don't think it'll be an, an atmosphere they'll they'll experience before. I would I would agree. It's going to be a bit like a one of those cliche Europe big European nights. I think it was touched on earlier. It, it, it's the first night game. It is going to be under the floodlights. It will be dark. People will have been on the on the booze. Uh, so the atmosphere should be great. It will be absolutely packed. So good luck getting the ticket, man. I'd say they're like absolute gold dust. If Liverpool can can capitalise on that atmosphere, which they have been able to in the past, you know, you could get a you know a Juventus night where you are a, a couple of goals up very early on. Or within the first twenty minutes, and or even one of those, uh, you know, an Arsenal type performance. So yeah, I, I would agree. I just I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that we can uh, capitalise on the atmosphere, and I hope we can really give them a fucking a real good go. No, indeed. And just in closing, lads, um, I'll just run around the table. Neil, you're there, so we'll stick with you. Where can we find you? What are you doing? What are you not writing this week? I'm not writing loads of stuff. <laughs> well, fucking know that. Every bug. That's what you're at. I've, well, well. I've got about <laughs> fucking five articles that I'm not writing at the moment. <laughs> those those are the ones in the pipeline there. They're the greatest ones, Neil. That's it. There's so many ideas, so little time. <laughs> But uh, on a more serious note, you can, well, I don't know how serious actually, you can catch me on Twitter at Neil1980. You can also catch me on this Copcast podcast for Cop Left. I'll also be recording a an Anfield Index writer's pod this week on Thursday, so that will probably come out around the weekend. That's cool, no problem. Everybody give that a listen. And Dave, yourself, where can we find you? Anything you're doing, anything you want to plug? No, you can find me on Twitter and I'll just be sitting here patiently waiting for these two weeks to pass me by. I bet you you've got that wonderful gift that is international football in Europe. <laughs> well, to be fair, I am at the, I'm at the game on Saturday. I'm at the Northern Ireland game on Saturday, so um, I think that's about as much as I have to look forward to. San Marino, looking forward to that one. Get the big show. Sam, we've got San Marino in Germany. Like, I mean, you couldn't get two more, two more opposite, opposed. Uh, I know. I know. Uh, well, probably. Unfortunately, I'm, unfortunately, I'm watching San Marino in Belfast <laughs> and watching Germany in Germany. So, well, so at least I get to see a win. And I, I have Brazil in town um, at the weekend, and I can't get a second. You lost him just going fuck off. No, but seriously, as I say, my mother took ill, and it was the day that the, the tickets went for sale. I've been on the website for three weeks trying to fucking get them, and I cannot get one ticket for love nor bloody money. I'm cracking up. But listen, back on with the plugs. Nate, or, Glenn, where can we find you and anything you want to plug? 
Yeah, um, on Twitter at, at Glenn Murray ninety one, and uh, yeah, I was thinking if we could do maybe like a, a children in need, children in need appeal for me for uh, for a ticket for for United in a couple of weeks. <laughs> there you go. anybody well, anybody listening to this who is, is foolish enough to want to part with the ticket, will work for ticket. Right. So listen, guys. As always, appreciate your time greatly. Thank you so much for that. Uh, for me, I just want to plug, I'm not going to go through the bloody shows because I can't be arsed. Just follow WFI. And if you aren't listening to our podcast, why not? If, if you're interested in football, you're interested in WFI with everything from tactics to all football over the world, North America, South America, every bloody continent we'll have. Why aren't you listening to us? There's a plug for you. <laughs> and we will be back again, uh, hopefully not with myself hosting after the United game. Hopefully Neil might take that one over for us. Um, and uh, we will hopefully be celebrating a big win and everybody will be happier still. But until then, just leaves me to say goodnight and thanks for listening. <laughs>